Hi, my name is Adriana Buenviaje. And I'm Elisa Welling. And this is Below the Fold, the Daily Cal's latest podcast about student life at UC Berkeley. So we used to be news reporters for the Daily Cal last semester. And we were always interviewing a ton of students, but we felt like we never had the chance to go in-depth in our interviews about the topics that we were interested in. So now we're co-hosting a podcast called Below the Fold, where we bring in other UC Berkeley students and chat about their lives, experiences, and whatever gets them out of bed in the morning. We want to create a portrait of the diverse experiences and struggles that students encounter and show you how they're able to empower themselves in the communities they're in. At Berkeley, we have these incredible students who look out into the world and see issues like sexism, racism, and mental health crises, and they're driven to not just acknowledge these problems, but also do something about it. And we hope when you're listening to this podcast that you're able to take away some insight from the stories that they share. So pour yourself some tea. Drizzle some honey in there, unless you're vegan. And enjoy the show. Okay, so um, for our first episode, we are bringing on Michelle, who was the sex writer from last semester for Sex on Tuesdays for the Daily Californian. You might have read some of her work in the newspaper or online. Um, yeah, I certainly did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Betra. <laughs> Um, yeah, she had really interesting columns um, yeah. talking about her um, experiences, experiences yeah. and um, being open with her um, sexual experiences and yeah. talking about it. Kind know. of opening up a dialogue for sex and removing the stigma and the taboo surrounding it. And yeah. she's a really witty writer as well. <laughs> so yeah, she'll be coming in today. So yeah, we're really excited to have her. To start us off, I was wondering... Um, in general, what was it like being a sex writer last semester, and also what initiated you to want to start mm-hmm. writing for the sex column? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people would believe that my decision to start writing for Sex on Tuesday is ill-advised because it was my first time writing any sort of published content, and of course, like, it really sucks when you publish, like, content and then you immediately get negative replies, but... Um, I think for me, the reason why I wanted to start writing for Sex on Tuesday was because I've had like many issues with um, putting other people's perspectives on my writing first rather than how I feel about my own writing. So I was kind of interested in Sex on Tuesday because, number one, I love talking about sex (laughs) 24-7. But number two, um, it's also because generally all the comments will be negative and not really for a particularly good reason. Um, And as a result, I knew that like the content that I write, like it would have to be something that I really cared about or something that I was invested in and was proud to publish because otherwise, like if I were to try to depend on like other people's responses, I would just feel like shit and like I wouldn't have a good time. Um, So that was definitely the reason why I got into sex writing. Um, So where did you like draw your inspiration from? Was it mainly just like encounters that happened in college or was it like before? For Sex on Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that like some of those things were like things that I had thought about a lot beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like my article about like my abusive relationship, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm very interested in writing um, something that will speak to a lot of people, but also is something that I'm proud of because mm-hmm. I don't exactly want to write it just for like a pity party. I also right, want yeah. to just be proud of the way that the narrative is constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, then for Sex on Tuesday, I was like, okay, well, now I have, like, real-world examples that I can draw from because mm. it happened to me. But I think that I've always been interested in sex. I think, mm. like, my first my first column also shows that, the fact that, like, I was just, like, really interested in, like, mm-hmm. looking at mature content and just, like, seeing, like, why it, why people were really confused by it or didn't know much about it because yeah. it was just something that seemed so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how do you think you differ from a- other past sex writers? Um, mm-hmm. I am very uninterested in just writing about, like, oh, like, this is kink and, like, it's really cool. Like, I want to explore some of the more complex things mm-hmm. within there and I also want to explore, like, both the faults in myself and in other people. Yeah, there was a, something you said in an article about how there's, like, some, like, racism yeah. in kinks and then, yeah. like, white men will just pass it off yeah. as, like, a kink. Yeah. But it's actually just, like... Yeah, yeah, it's actually racist. Um, And, like, yeah, I did have, like, a a couple of people being, like, okay, so, I, I, okay, so this is the example of, like, black and white, um, and then me wanting to explore shades of gray. So, Mm -hmm. the thing about the BDSM community and the king community is, obviously, they have the motto, safe, motto, safe, sane, and consensual, and um, a lot of the responses to my article about uh, Folsom Street Fair People were like, oh, well, it's not racist because they all consent to this. And I'm like, but consent isn't that easy to navigate. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then I'm sure that we know with, like, all the Aziz and Zari, like Harvey Weinstein, like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. It's like everything's on fire all the time. <laughs> um, that it's not that easy. And um, I think one of my friends, m- one of my best friends, she uh, made a really, really good point. It's like sex is, like, one of the most physical things that you can do with someone outside mm-hmm. of, like, punching them and fighting them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um, And, but then, for some reason, um, when it comes to, like, consent, like, for some reason, verbal cues are always, like, prioritized. Like, you have to say no, but it's such a physical event <laughs> um, yeah. that, like, why wouldn't nonverbal like actions yeah, be yeah. as important as verbal yeah. ones? So, yeah, that's, so um, that's like the shades of gray there that I'm really interested in exploring because mm-hmm. it's like it's way more complicated than that. Like Definitely. you, it's not just you know like obviously no does mean no, but like there are so many reasons why someone might not say no even if they're uncomfortable with the situation. Mm-hmm. And so like you had mentioned that when you're writing about like with your past abusive relationship, mm-hmm. you didn't want to turn it just into like this pity party. Mm-hmm. But you also kind of wanted to raise awareness about it. Mm-hmm. How did you find a voice or a sense of empowerment mm-hmm. through that process? Like how are you able to reflect on this shitty thing mm-hmm. but then also empower yourself through it? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I sort of discovered, I think, my sophomore year at Berkeley, Mm -hmm. um, that was actually when I realized that I was in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that was something that I wanted to talk about was the fact that you can be in an abusive relationship and, like, not know that you were in one until Mm -hmm. many years afterwards. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's sort of a form of empowerment because when I was in that abusive relationship, obviously my mental health was you know, deteriorating. I just really hated myself. I dedicated my life to him. Mm. Um, I would prioritize him over everything else. Um, And then after I sort of broke off my friendship with him, because like, first I was just like, oh, this is just kind of a toxic friendship. I'm just going to cut it off. Mm. Um, After I cut it off, and then a year goes by where my brain is finally like, oh, we're not in crisis mode because you're not being actively abused all the time. Mm. Let's think about what has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you come to realize that like, oh, like a lot of these things that I thought were just, like, 
oh, I'm just going to be like this always, and this is a character flaw, and I can't do anything about it. Like in that, at least for me, in that situation, you recognize that it's actually the abuser or your previous experiences that have caused you to get into these like negative loops. It's not your fault, and you mm-hmm. shouldn't blame yourself for it. But of course, you should go and try to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that was sort of how I empowered myself during that process. Like just really, really caring for myself. Mm-hmm. I think that I care about myself the most when I'm feeling the worst.、Um, mm-hmm. Like you know, during that time, I was like, okay, I have to start going to therapy. I have to start eating right. I have to do everything like that because I want to get better.、Mm-hmm. And I think that was like a form of empowerment, just knowing that I want to get better and recover. I feel like people always romanticize relationships, like with other people,、mm-hmm. like romantic relationships, and so that's how people end up in these situations、yeah. where they always just like give and give. And so, like, how would you describe like that feeling? Of having that relationship with yourself, because I feel like just from like talking to you,、mm-hmm. like I can just like sense this really like strong sense of <laughs> self love,、uh, and I'm just like, yeah. yeah. So how does that feel? Like, what's that like?、Uh, I mean, what's it like? What's it like to feel confident and love yourself?、Yeah. I mean, like, I definitely do. Ha- like, I have, s- I-, I definitely am as insecure as the next person,、right. in my opinion. But I feel like、um, one thing is. Um, I found that because I've gone through these difficult things,、mm-hmm. I realize, hey, I can actually do something about them. I think that when I back in the past, I was like, well, I'm just gonna have to suck up and suck it up and deal with it,、mm-hmm. um, like you know, with you know, sexism, with racism in general, not just my abusive relationship.、Mm-hmm. And of course, like it's still happening in our society, and right, there's、yeah. you know, it's it's not like Rome wasn't built in a day. We can't like destroy these constructs so easily. But、mm-hmm. I think like. How I feel is that when I see something like that happening, when I see like if if something somebody says something sexist towards me or makes me feel uncomfortable, I'm just gonna tell them,、um, and I think that is very empowering. But I know that a lot of people can't do that,、mm-hmm. um, either because you know it gives them anxiety or because they are in a dangerous situation where you know like if they do voice their opinion, they will be hurt. And I understand that. Some people cannot be outspoken because、uh, they're in those circumstances. But for me, because I'm not, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do this for them, and I'm also going to do this for myself. For、mm-hmm. the people who can't speak up, I'll at least, you know, whenever something in my life happens, I'm going to speak up, and、mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that I can like deal with it. Yeah.、Um, yeah. But for me, the way that I define abuse is when somebody hurts you、uh, consistently, whether that's emotional or physical. And you tell them to stop, or you tell them this is what I want you to do instead, and they refuse to do it. They refuse to compromise, and they refuse to communicate with you. And、um, if they continue to do that for your entire relationship, I consider that very abusive. So they're refusing to refusing to empathize. Yeah, yeah. refusing to yeah. empathize and putting themselves in a victim position. The thing about an abusive relationship is that I never thought that I would ever. Be in one.、Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. Like,、mm-hmm. you don't realize that you're being you're in an abusive relationship、mm-hmm. until very sometimes you know, like after the relationship is over.、Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because you have these complex feelings of like love and caring, and sometimes you know the person who abuses you does something that like you think, oh, like they do really care about me, but like it's really that balance、yeah. and figuring that out because like you. When you're in an abusive relationship, you're never like this guy's an abusive asshole、right. and terrible, and I really hate them. And 
but and then you don't leave. Mm-hmm. It's it's more complex than that. It's like I know that this person is really hurting me, but you know, like seeing them every day still makes me happy, and doing stuff for them makes me happy, and mm-hmm. so it's really hard for you to leave sometimes. Yeah, yeah. How do you kind of like reconcile the, those two? Because like when you're with somebody mm-hmm. and you really like love them and mm-hmm. you care about them, but then you also have like this idea of self love. Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of like recognize when you need to go and how mm-hmm. do you like bring yourself to make that decision? Yeah, I think that I I also do have a difficulty with this still. Um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely a lot better at it, but um, I think that you sometimes you have to say no. Um, I think that that's just the times like that that will really help you just. I know a lot of people, especially women, who are really used to being a caretaker for everybody. Very, mm-hmm. very used to, you know, having people come to them about their emotional problems and pour out their soul. And, you know, like, it seems like you're the only person that can help them with that. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you never want to say no because you're like, what if they really needed me? And what if, like, me not talking to them, like, made them do a bad thing? Yeah. Um, but then you need to realize, like, you can only control your own actions mm-hmm. and, like, Sometimes you need to do an action that prioritizes you over, like, comforting this other person. And I find that, like, I I think that's sort of um, the same sort of comment that I made about abusive relationships. It's also about, like, when people talk to you continually and, you know, you give them advice and they react to it very, very violently and negatively, I'm going to be like, okay, well, you know, I still want to be your friend. I still really care about you. But right now, like... I don't think that this relationship is healthy for either of us. Like, maybe, like, I would still love to hang out with you and Mm -hmm. talk, but, like, right now, like, this is a little bit stressful. And, you know, I need to also prioritize myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it's just a balance of, like, knowing when to say no and, like, not feeling guilty Mm -hmm. for not, you know, being, like, Mother Teresa. Like, for not being a saint. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so those were, like, pretty much all our questions was there mm-hmm. anything you wanted to add or kind of just like close with about yeah. you know, like your experience anything that you want to leave yeah I would say that like one thing that I want people to take away is like being interested in taking action if something yeah. is not making you happy in your life yeah. you can always do something about it even if it doesn't solve it right away yeah um and if something is really bothering you, it probably means something Mm -hmm. and you should speak to somebody about it. And I always, always, always recommend going to therapy, Mm -hmm. even though people should be aware that sometimes your therapist is also an asshole. So you also (laughs) need to watch out for that. Um, But I think that if somebody does something that hurts you or you feel a certain way, Um, find somebody who you can reach out to. If you don't have a person in your life like that right now, there are so many resources here. And um, I would really highly, highly recommend you go and look for it. Even though the journey, the short-term journey will be difficult, it's really going to pay off in the end. And I think that, you know, especially with a lot of people who don't want to go to therapy because they don't think that their suffering is bad enough, Mm. Fuck that, you know? Um, you're you're paying this person to listen to your problems. So don't worry about it. You can talk about the, you know, the pettiest thing or you can talk about something that is really affecting you. Mm-hmm. And those are all equally valid. Um, and you can also just think about it on your therapist's point of view, right? Like sometimes your therapist will want, you know, 
something a bit lighter. <laughs> and, you know, because they'll, they'll be dealing with people who have really, really deep traumas. And if you go to them and you're like, I'm having difficulty with, you know, somebody in my life or homework or, like, my self-esteem at, like, school because of, like, something that went on in my club. Like, mm-hmm. they would be happy to listen to that, too, because mm-hmm. they, they're not just interested in listening to people with, like, really fucked up psyches. Yeah, like, yeah. they're interested in seeing that across the spectrum, too. So mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, always try to find resources yeah. because... The, the one thing out of all of this that my therapists have always told me, even though I make awful life choices all of the time, and they're always like, Michelle, we talked about this, is that, like, whenever I am in a really bad place, I am incredibly resourceful. Like, I will make sure that my ass is covered because mm-hmm. I just want my life to be easy um, because, um, and I want it to be fun. Yeah. And I think there's also this one other quote that, like, all of us are disadvantaged um, in some kind of way, mm-hmm. and especially people with mental health issues, people who are minorities, mm-hmm. and the system is created to kind of go against us. So why not cheat? <laughs> why why not, you know, I mean, and when I say cheat, I say quote-unquote cheat. Right. Um, like, you know, go to the Tang Center, go mm-hmm. and get, like, um, a note from the Tang Center that gives you an extension on a paper, like, mm-hmm. do anything. Um, that can buy you more time and make you feel happier and feel like you're not constantly being crushed all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just do something that, yeah. you know, makes you happy. Yeah. Um, and when something is making you unhappy, uh, try your best not to choose inaction. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't make a decision, that is your decision mm-hmm. to not do anything about it. Yeah. So try your best not to do that. Mm-hmm. If you decide to take inaction, Make sure you think about all the other options first. <laughs> right. Yeah, because sometimes inaction is a good option, yeah. but usually not always. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much yeah, for of like, course. coming on. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, so I really appreciate being one of the first guests on here. So yeah, that's definitely. awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really weird because I just kind of live in my own bubble where I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, I write for Sex on Tuesday, and like <laughs> I forget that it's important to people. <laughs> like yeah. that, like yeah. people like what I write yeah. um so I think that's also an interesting thing bubble. yeah but it's still out <laughs> exactly I'm just like oh man yeah <laughs> when you guys talked about how like oh like I feel like there's a lot of self-love in your columns and mm-hmm. you feel um you feel really confident and I'm just like oh, lol like <laughs> do, do I feel that way um I'm really glad that it that that, that people projects. that that yeah, yeah that people take that away yeah even though you know in my own personal life, I'm very different too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, not very different, but like my persona on Sex on Tuesdays right. is like sort of like all of the good things that have come from me being like open about my sexuality and like mm-hmm. I have my own things that I'm dealing with. So yeah, I'm like really not the most confident person, but you know, um, at, at least I like doing something about it yeah. <laughs> and making myself feel better yeah. rather than just being like, okay, well, I guess I'll just continue to feel this way right so I think that's always nice to do progress yeah and I feel like that's like the energy that you put out in the universe <laughs> and like with your column yeah and like it's with like what you're saying yeah like just... I'm I'm ultimately an incredibly vulnerable person right. as most people are mm-hmm. it's just that I I'm happy to share that vulnerability yeah. with other people yeah which like makes you strong and so <laughs> in like a yeah like a kind of cyclical it. way yeah, yeah. 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 all right yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, thank you so yeah. much. Yeah.